Hallelujah. Well, all that being said, I'm not going to hoop and holler anymore because i got a lot of ground to cover tonight. And uh, I told Brother Weems he's going to help me out. I think my son fell asleep. He was going to be my, my wingman tonight. Well, I have to have one of my girls help me. They know what we're doing. So, uh, And I, I, I preached, I taught this message at our church this morning. <clears throat> kind of did a both. Bishop's always called it preaching, I guess, but we, man, the power of God moved in that place, brother, brother Nick, and we had church this morning, amen, I believe God wants to do it in this place tonight, I believe God wants to move in this place tonight, look, this church has a destiny, and that destiny is revival, God has promised it time and time again, and I'm here to tell you, he wants to see it happen regardless of what anybody has to say and regardless of what the enemy tries to persuade us to do and, and persuade us that it can't happen. I can promise you this tonight. God will make a way. All right? Try that again. God will make a way when there is no way or seems to be no way that is, He will make a way. The earth was without form and it was void. I can't help but when I think of the things that God wants to do for us, I have to go back to creation because you think about the things that He did back then. That was an impossibility, Sister Bonnie. It was impossible for that stuff to come into something as beautiful and as magnificent as this planet earth that we live on. But God has plans, just like he did for creation, for this church, this specific church. His church as a whole, but this specific church. You hearing me tonight? And God has a call that he wants to send out tonight before this service is over. I feel down deep in my heart. God's going to be calling some of us in this service tonight. Amen. And if I say much more, I'm going to give away everything. But I want to build a foundation before I get there. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to Nehemiah. And we're going to go to Ephesians. Man, it is good to be in Olathe tonight. I don't take it lightly when I'm asked to come and be with you good folks. I love coming here. Amen. It's, it's home. Amen. And I, I'm grateful to be at home tonight. Amen. With the people I love. Amen. Praise God. Nehemiah chapter number 4. And Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to go, we're going to read from both of these passages tonight. <clears throat> I'm just going to ask you, please ride with me for just a little while. Because it's going to start off real, real slow. That's how a locomotive gets started, right? Amen. You start off slow and then you build up some steam. and Hopefully by the end of this service, we won't be able to put the brakes on very quickly. Amen. But we're going to leave this place answering a call that I believe God wants to send out tonight. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 6. 
just one verse. It said, so built we the wall. Can you say, we built the wall? And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. Can you say the people wanted to work? Ephesians chapter number 2. You may wonder why I'm pulling these two scriptures together, but hopefully by the time I'm finished, you'll understand where I'm going. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. It says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. In verse 22, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Amen. You can lay your Bibles down and let's reach out to the Lord. We need, we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Let's do that tonight. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Amen. I'm going to do what they tell us not to do in my line of work, and that is to take some assumptions. Amen. But I'm going, to, I'm going to take some assumptions that you know some of the things of this story tonight that we're going to delve into. And uh, I'm going to just kind of get through it as fast as I can so we can get to where I, I feel like God wants us to be tonight. Amen. But Nehemiah, uh, I began, I was talking to my brother the other night about Nehemiah, and, and then later on we, we were doing some other things, and we, we saw, uh, I saw a man, he, and he was talking about Nehemiah as well. And these, these thoughts kind of culminated. They spurred some things that have been burning in the back of my mind for a few weeks now, and and uh, when we went to Africa, I was telling my folks that that first week the Wi-Fi was so bad that uh, we could barely even text. Sometimes they wouldn't even make it through. Um, we we tried calling a few times, and literally it was, uh, yep, and yep, and so my wife said, "Don't even try to call me until you get to a better place." And so we just text back and forth. But that being said, I was disconnected, Brother Nelson to a man that's always connected and readily available and wanting to do something to keep my mind occupied, that was quite different. 
But while we were there, we spent a lot of time in prayer. We spent a lot of time searching the scriptures, and we spent a lot of time talking about the Word of God, and, and uh, obviously, and then we also taught a lot. But I'm, just, I'm talking about when we go back to the room. Amen. We didn't have we didn't have time to. We, we had time to call my family, but we couldn't talk to them because it didn't work. I've already explained that. But so we took time. We we talked to each other. Me and brother Tim's did, and spent time talking about the Word of God and and things of the Word of God, and I spent time studying the Word of God, and God began to work me over in, in the book of Nehemiah. Amen. It's a powerful book once you get into this book. Amen. I encourage every saint of God to study this book. It's very powerful. I was talking to Brother Weems about some things tonight, and I'm not going to reveal those things right now because I need something to preach next Sunday night at Jubilee service. So we'll, we'll, see, what, we'll see what happens. Amen. We want the Lord to have His way there, obviously. But... Nehemiah, there's a lot in here, and we could be here for hours, amen, and I don't want to do that to you, but I do want to talk about Nehemiah. The first thing that we need to understand about Nehemiah is Nehemiah is not the first group of uh, captives that returned to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding the city. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, he was number three heading back that direction. Um, he followed on the footsteps of Ezra and Zerubbabel. And Nehemiah came. And if you go through Ezra, and I don't have, I said, I don't have time. We could spend a lot of time in Ezra and Nehemiah. But in Ezra, you can find the gist of everything there is the people went to work and rebuild the temple and rebuild the wall and thus rebuild the city. But, Something happened with Nick when they got there. From my studies, what I found was they didn't all go back and live in Jerusalem. When they moved back, they went and lived in the surrounding provinces. And they became comfortable where they were. That wasn't their home, but that's where they began to reside. And they would travel from there into Jerusalem to work. And before long, they began, they had built up their houses and they had been built up their farms and they had built up their ranches and, and so on. And so they had become comfortable with life and their duties and the thing that God had called them to do got put on the back burner because they were busy with life and they were satisfied. We could preach on that for a while, but I'm not going to. But then the man of God came and he began to talk to them. And God began to speak through the man of God. And he told them, he said, well, even in Ezra, I believe it was Ezra, that some of the people even began to marry outside of the Jewish uh, descendants. And that was against the law, as we know, and so on. But so they had to put away their wives, their foreign wives, and they had to put, they had to make a lot of changes. And in Ezra, if I remember reading, I remember reading this portion, and it took, they, they couldn't even make sacrifice to atone for the sin that was going on. Do you know why? Because the priests got involved in the sin as well, and they had to make themselves clean before God, before they could make an offering for the other people. 
Sin doesn't just stop with one person, let me say that. But sin is a cancerous disease that begins to eat up everything that it possibly can. And when sin is introduced into a group of people, it begins to spread like wildfire. Until the people are so sidetracked from what God had called them to do originally. They were blessed. They had everything that they needed to build the house of God back up. They had everything that they needed to build the walls back up. But it all sat dormant. And I'm sure if I know anything about building, if you let material sit out there, especially lumber, for too long, you can't use it. Because it's so rotted and nasty. And everything that God had blessed them with, I'm sure that they had to go find replacements in order to get the job done. And so Ezra finishes his book. And, and as, he, as he finishes, you find that, yes, the people finally rallied together. And thank God, they finally got the temple built. But that wasn't the only objective that they had gone to Jerusalem to achieve. They went to rebuild the city. And so we find now ourselves in Nehemiah. The temple is built in Jerusalem. The people are there. And I want to take us to Nehemiah chapter number 1. In verse number 3, Nehemiah tells us, let me, and we're stepping into the middle of a conversation, so let me give you a quick context. Verse number two, he's asking them, hey, how are things going back in Jerusalem? What's the status of everything that's happening? Brother, brother Nelson, you're, you're a boss man, right? You're, you oversee uh, crews and such. And you call them up and you say, hey, how, how's that job progressing? Getting pretty close to being done. And, and according, I, I, in my mind, I'm sitting here, and, and being a foreman over 16 years of a concrete crew and, and several other things, and, and I can just imagine Nehemiah back in, in uh, Babylon with Artaxerxes. He's serving him every day. He's living a good life. And he's excited about the fact that there's a bunch of people back in Jerusalem working to rebuild the city. And somebody comes back to Babylon from Jerusalem. I can just imagine. They don't have cell phones back then, but he just said, hey man, how you doing? Doing all right? I heard you just got back from Jerusalem. How's everything going over there? You got the temple finished? All right, that's excellent. Thank God the temple's finished. We're that much closer to getting back home. How about the wall? That thing should be pretty well be finished up now. You guys should put, be hanging the last of the gates out there on the wall, right? And the news that Nehemiah got. All right, I'm putting all this in my own terms, okay? You have to ride with me for a minute. I like to let my imagination run because I want to know what they're experiencing in the Scripture. And as they continue to explain things to Nehemiah, they said this to him. They said to me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Nehemiah's probably got this thing going through his mind. He's probably like, 
Why are they in great reproach? Why are they in affliction? King Artaxerxes made sure you had everything you needed when you went to Jerusalem. Where's this perplexion coming from? He goes on. And he goes on to explain what this perplexion is, this affliction and reproach. He said, because the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Nehemiah, I can just imagine, in the study Bible I've been using, it simply said this, said according to Nehemiah, the people that were called to rebuild were neglecting their duties. And they were focusing upon their own personal lives and leaving the things of the kingdom undone and in turn leaving themselves vulnerable to anything that may come. And when Nehemiah heard this, I'm going to try to start moving forward, but I, I, want to, I, I don't want to get too far. I want to make sure this foundation is solid. Amen. But Nehemiah hears this report. And this was his response in verse 4. It says, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah heard the report and it hit him. Oh, oh, are you serious? Oh, and the emotional gamut ran up and down. And he began to weep because his, his I can just imagine, Brother Weems, his, his, his mind had been set, I should be heading to Jerusalem now. Go in there and get my house all in order and, and get things back like they used to be before we came into captivity over 70 years ago. But here I am. They haven't even started on the wall yet. And they're just telling me these things. And he begins to weep and mourn for days, the Bible says. And then I see that he said, and then I fasted. And I said, why did he need to fast? Because fasting is not, Pastor Riggins always said this, fasting is not a bargaining tool with the Lord. But it's a deadening of my flesh so that I can be more attentive to his voice. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? He just had a check in his heart. Because he's getting angry with those people that are there. He said, you know what? I want to make sure this ain't old Nehemiah that's just angry at these people. I want to make sure this is a righteous indignation. Something that's coming from God above. Not only did he fast, but he spent time in prayer and seeking God's face. 
And you can read through the rest of Acts, I mean, Nehemiah 1 and, and Nehemiah 2, and you'll find that as, as he, he is going about his normal business, I was talking to Brother Weems about this a little bit before church, but I wanted to be sure I didn't give away everything. But he, 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 would, he would go about his normal duties. And being a cupbearer, Brother Nick, that's not a hard job. You just got to make sure that the king has the beverages that he wants when he wants it. Make sure you serve all of his, his men that are there and, and so on. So it's, it's not an extremely hard job. But the Bible goes on and talks about how Artaxerxes, King Artaxerxes, he, he noticed something about Nehemiah because this perplexity that settled in upon him changed how he was working. It changed everything about Nehemiah. And everybody began to realize, hey, that's not Nehemiah that we used to know. Something's going on in Nehemiah's mind and his heart. And so the king began to ask him, hey, what's going on, man? Why are you so upset? Why is your heart downtrodden? And he began to explain to King Artaxerxes. And the king said, all right. I said this this morning. <laughs> but when you read in there where Nehemiah is talking to king, the Bible is very clear. Right there in parentheses, right when, when it says, and Artaxerxes answered Nehemiah, and right after it said that, it said, and the queen was sitting by. I said, well, sounds to me like Artaxerxes had to make sure that mama was okay with what he was about to say. I'm still working on that one, Brother Chad. <laughs> mercy but the king looked at him and he said you know what I'm going to give you what you need how long is it going to take you Nehemiah and he gave the king a timeline he told him what he needed to get the job done and in chapter 2 you find where he rode out there and he met and the king had given him uh, authorization he had given him some kind of a document that, that he sealed with his ring his ring his ring, and he sent it with, with uh, Nehemiah so that those that were in the province, those were the governors and, and all those guys that were there that, that were rulers over those provinces, they would know, hey, I'm here with the king's blessing. Come to find out, even though that he had the blessing of the king, the people still got mad at him. That's in the last part of chapter 2. don't have time to go into all that. I don't want to get bogged down into that mess. We all understand when we start trying to do a work for God and try to do the right thing, things arise and start problems start creeping in and so on. And we all understand that. It's just a distraction of the enemy to try to keep us off track from what God's called us to do. Amen. So somehow, we as the people of God, we're going to have to start being able to step back and say, all right, was that really a concern or is that just the enemy trying to get me sidetracked? And I'm going to keep pressing on. But Nehemiah, he was downtrodden. He was, he was down in his spirits. He was fasting. He was praying. He talked to the king. The king gave him his blessing. Sent him on his way and said, hey, go build that wall. I'm sending you to do it. Go and get this thing done, Nehemiah. If I was the king, I would say, don't come back until you finish with a th crazy thing. It's taking way too long this, at this point. I'm not King Artaxerxes. So 
But Nehemiah went. Nehemiah began working. Nehemiah arrived and they began to build. And I did tell Brother Williams this before church. I said, you know, uh, Nehemiah, why am I saying Acts? Nehemiah chapter number 3. I've never liked to read this chapter because it's so boring until I begin studying this book. And this, in this chapter, there's a few things I want us to look at. All of this chapter is simply, I'll begin at the top. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of, of Mia, and they sanctified it unto the tower of Hananel. And, and next unto him builded the men of Jericho, and, and next to them builded Zach, Zachar, the, the son of Imri, and and, and, and so on and so forth it goes. It talks about this gate got built. And, and then next to that guy, somebody else was building in this portion of the wall. And, and next to this fella, this, this guy was over here and he was doing this kind of job. And, and there was another gate over here that, that so-and-so was working on. And, and I'm just like, okay, thank oh, this awesome, you know. Maybe just, just for historical record. But as I began, I began to realize, hey, there's some, there's some spiritual application in this chapter and, uh, and I began to realize, hey, there's something going on in this chapter. This is where the people, yes, Nehemiah was given the mandate from the king. But Nehemiah came. And this is what me and Brother Jared, were talk, Brother Hilton was talking the other night. We said, we, we, we began to talk about how uh, we need a vision set from the top. We need that. And it's clear to me. That Nehemiah did a good job of declaring the vision of what had to be done. Because all of that, of Nehemiah chapter number 3, the acts of Nehemiah, as, as he began to go, amen, we don't find record of where Nehemiah said, hey, you go do this work and you go do that work. We don't see where he went and found a, a, a whiteboard and, and began writing with a, wider, a dry erase marker and saying... Putting names to certain things, and we don't see a chalkboard being brought out. We don't hear of any of that stuff. But something happened to organize these people, and they began to work. And you don't see where, and Nehemiah told Eliashib to go and do this. And you don't see where it said, and, and, and Nehemiah told uh, Uriah to go and do this. And, and you don't see any of that. But what you do see is Eliashib, the high priest, heard what Nehemiah had to say. He said, oh, okay. Yep, I'm going to start right here at the temple. I've got to rebuild this sheep gate. Because as soon as these people get done, they're going to have to start bringing in the sheep. And we've got to have some place for them to pass through so we can make sacrifice and do some atonements. And he got to going on through there. And, and you can find that these other men and these other families began to put, put, their, put their efforts together. Amen. The people began to do the work. You realize when I began to study this, it gets down to where Nehemiah's at. It talks about, and Nehemiah was building the wall at such and such a place. Nehemiah wasn't walking around saying, hey, how come you're not busy? Come on, man, let's get busy. But no, Nehemiah was right down there alongside him. All right, here, we're going to build a wall. 
Hey, we got we got to build this wall. We got we got work to do. We got to get this thing done, guys. And I and, and I'm not going to stand by and try to to lord over you. He said, but I, I'm going to work right alongside you. Amen. And even though the time after time after time that Sanballat and Tobiah would come around the corner and they would begin to say, hey, you see this old measly wall that these guys are building if a fox were to go up this crazy thing it's going to fall down it's going to fall down Brother Weems Megan, Morgan you guys want to help you guys get the blocks and Brother Weems will place them where they need to be they begin to build the wall this is Nehemiah had asked them to do thank you brother as he's building this wall we're going to keep going down for a little bit. The Bible tells us that the people began to work. They began to do what they knew they had to do. But there's this one thing that I want us to take notice of here in Nehemiah chapter 3. And there's several verses here. You don't need to follow along. I'm just going to hit them very quickly. Amen. We're going to start with verse 10. Nehemiah 3 and verse 10 said, And next unto them... Repaired Jediah, the son of Harumath. Amen. Praise God. Amen. That guy. Even over against, over against his house, the Bible said. And then you get to verse 23, and you're going to find this as a recurring thing through this, this, this chapter. And Benjamin and Hashab over against their house. And after him repaired Azariah, the son. Brother Weems is breaking the sweat down here. Amen. And Azariah, the son of Maaseah, the son of Ananiah, he built on the wall. Brother Nelson, by his house. And verse 29, and Zadok, the son of Emmer, over against his house these guys were building they were working they were building a wall but they were doing it in a specific place I think this made sense because Nehemiah said look you know what I asked my church this morning I said look did you have you guys ever hired workout at your house or had anybody come and do a job for you Mow your yard. Yeah. I have too. I've had I've had guys come and mow mow the yard and he knows me because I took I took some guys, I don't think any of them are here. So I can say this safely. <laughs> but I took them over to the Riggins house and I said, Hey, we're gonna I want you to get this done. Brother Nelson, I left him there for an hour, two hours. I got back, the job wasn't even halfway done. Should have been done twice. <laughs> and then, on top of that, what they had done. Oh my goodness. Whew. All right, I'm going to stop there. Help me, Lord Jesus. Needless to say, I paid them for what they said they did, sent them on down the road, and I finished the job myself. 
because it wasn't getting done like I wanted it done, Brother Nick. Let me ask you something. If you're doing the work on your house and you know how to do it, and you hire somebody to come in and they do the job, and when they finish and they go home and you've done the superficial inspection, oh, that looks great, guys. You write them the check and send them down the road. A couple days later, you're taking a shower in the bathroom that they just redid for you. You're like, oh, my goodness, why'd they leave that like that? This is horrible. I don't understand. Where's the quality of work anymore today? I don't understand these things. I can just imagine Nehemiah understanding the concept of if you own it, you're going to take care of it. If you've invested in it, you're going to take care of it. And I know there's a lot of distraction with them going on, but the scriptures I just read, those men were appointed to build the wall attached to their homes. To their homes. Do you know who the first people would be endangered if that wall wasn't going to stand up? The first people... If that wall, Sister Jasmine, wasn't going to stand against the attack of an enemy, the first people in their house would be little Johnny and little Susie and their lovely wife. In some cases back then, mom and dad, maybe an aunt or an uncle. You follow what I'm saying? They had a job to do. And they had to build a wall for their home. They had to build a wall that tied into the neighbor's house. And the next door, this other guy's house. And they had to make sure that they worked together perfectly. To make sure that everything meshed up just right. Otherwise, at that position, it could have been a vulnerability as well. But they began to build the wall. And they built. And they built. And they built. And with Camden was helping me this morning. I only had half of the blocks that I have here. And I, when I got to the point about the fox running up and knocking it down, I kicked the thing down. And he put it back up. But I'm not going to do that to Brother Weems. <clears throat> but they built this wall in such a way that the, that the fox couldn't tear it down. They had one thing in mind. We've got to rebuild the city. God sent somebody that's called to rebuild the city. He has sent somebody that has a burden to rebuild the city. And he appointed those people that would take the most uh, pride in their work to work in those certain areas. The priest, the high priest, he was working at the temple. I don't have this in my notes, but I'm going to say it anyways. While the man of God, you let me say it this way, as the pastor was working at the temple, making sure that the gates of sacrifice were in order and everything was built just right. Because everybody else's salvation depended upon what was built there. 
Somebody else was over at the pastor's house working and getting things ready, making sure the wall that was built and attached to his house was solid and secure. Don't take my word for it. It's in your Bible. It's right there. And there's no way in this world that, that he could be in two places at one time. He's a man. He's not Superman. <laughs> but he is a man. And he had to do the things at the house of God because they were in a time crunch. They were trying to get this thing accomplished. Nehemiah said this is the amount of time that it was going to take to do it. And it wasn't like some of the projects that I work on when we get to and start bumping up against that, that, that threshold of hours that we have said, hey, it's going to take this much. Oh, I'm sorry, we, we didn't think about this and we didn't think about that and we need to extend this a little bit. No, that's not how it was going to work. As soon as the days were up, for Nehemiah to stop working and go back. He had to stop working and go back or it was off with his head. So he knew I got a certain amount of time. I've got to get this job accomplished and I've got to do the best job that I can. I've got to somehow cast the vision in such a way that it's not just my burden getting this thing rebuilt, but the entire group of people, they've got to catch the vision and say, I'm going to do this because I want to see this city built up again. Hallelujah. You say, well, that's all fine and good. Man, I, I hope they had enough people. Well, they probably didn't because look at this. In Nehemiah chapter 3 and 12, he said this. It said, And next unto him repaired Shalom, the son of Halohesha, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. And he and his daughters were working on the wall. In my study notes, I didn't put it in my preaching notes, but I can remember it. And, and, that was, he, he, he pointed out, he said, look, the reason it was important for them to throw in this little stanza of he and his daughters, it was because Nehemiah wanted everybody to know, hey, this was not just something that all of the men of Israel got together and began to work until the job was done. But no, this began to become a family affair. We have to see the walls rebuilt. We've got to help mom and dad to see this thing accomplished. We've got to see the thing that God has called us to do completed and the families began to work just like Morgan and Reagan were going back and forth they had family members brother Nick some of them were over there making the bricks they didn't have them stored over in the drum cage they weren't pre-boxed up and made up it wasn't modular stone is that what you call that stuff? That What do you call that fake stone stuff that you put on the houses that they prefab stone or whatever? They, they, they put in cast. And they pour in the concrete and they put coloring on the stuff. And, and uh, it looks nice, but it's not real stone. It's not real stone. It's fake. That's not what they had that day. They were over there mixing up the ingredients putting these stones together. One man, I'm sure a couple of guys were over here working on that. They had to keep up with the guys stacking them on the wall. 
had to have enough guys over here working to keep those blocks made up. They had to have a couple people running back and forth, making sure that those guys over by the wall had all the supplies that they need to make sure that this wall kept going up and and, and they didn't want to stop. We get to chapter number four, you find where these men, they didn't stop. Amen. And, and, and they, they continued working. And in chapter 4, you find where the people had a mind to work. And the wall was built unto the half thereof. Half the wall's done now because the people are working. Chapter number 5, Sam Ballad and Tobias show back up. And they began to prod the people. And, and they tried everything that they possibly could think of. They began to say, hey, a fox is going to tear this thing down. They tried intimidation. They tried all kinds of different tactics to try to stop the people of God from doing what God had sent them to do. But Nehemiah, even to the point that they gathered together small armies and tried to come and attack the people. But Nehemiah prayed. And God gave him direction. And the people strapped on their swords. And the bugle blower hung the bugle around his neck. The bugle blower worked right beside Nehemiah. The lookouts, some of the family members were standing. The Bible says this. Some of the family members were standing. Those that couldn't probably do a lot of the heavy lifting. They were standing around on lookout. Watching around. All right. Oh, we're still safe, guys. Don't worry. I got my eye out for you. They kept working, and they kept working. And Nehemiah said this. He said, and we kept on working as often as we could. We didn't change clothes until the job was done. Took days. They didn't change. I wouldn't want to be around them guys. But I'm just telling you what what the Bible says. They kept working. Brother Andrew... He said, we're not stopping until it's done. We'll sleep an hour or two here and there. We're not stopping until this is done. God sent another man with a burden to see this accomplished. And I'm not stopping until the wall's built. And no matter what came, Nehemiah continued resorting back to prayer. And seeking the Lord's direction every time a new situation would arise. He would look unto the Lord. And he would ask God for direction. And God would give him a clear mind. And he would, come to, he would come to grips with a plan. And he would institute that plan instantly. And they would keep on working. Why is this important? Just ride with me for a minute, all right? In Nehemiah 4, I just talked about. So build we the wall, and the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. Because the people had a mind to work. This is chapter 4. Chapter 3, they began the work. Chapter 4, they got the wall half built. Chapter 5, Sambalad and Tobiah and all the, other, all the other tempters and intimidators come along and try to stop the work of God, but they keep working right on through all the temptation to stop. In chapter 6, one more attack comes upon the people. But in the middle of that attack, In Nehemiah chapter 6, in verse number 15, Nehemiah said, So the wall was finished in the face of an attack. They completed the wall. 
You can finish chapter 6 and 7, I think in chapter 8 as well. And they began to explain how they went about securing all of the gates. Making sure somebody was on guard at all times. Because once they finished it, then the attacks really began coming. They didn't want to see the city of Jerusalem rebuilt. Let me ask you this, and this isn't here either. But let me ask you this. Isn't it just like the enemy to want to stop the construction of a sanctuary? Ain't that what Jerusalem was? That was the city people would go to worship. That's the city where the temple, where they would go and make sacrifice and get uh, forgiveness for the sins that they had committed. That was the place that they would go just simply to worship. If they were hurting, if they were sick, they had to go to Jerusalem and go see the high priest. Not the doctor, but to the high priest. And the, and the high priest had to diagnose them. Sometimes make sacrifice for them. It's just like the enemy to want to stop something like that from going in and being accomplished. When Nehemiah arrived, the temple was finished, but it was open game for anybody that wanted to attack. Now six chapters into Nehemiah, the wall is complete. It's time to worship now, right? No, now it's time to guard the wall because we're not letting somebody destroy this thing that we just finished building. I've just invested too much time in this thing. So now I'm going to take a pause from Nehemiah for a little while. And we're going to talk about us today. Just like Nehemiah, we as the people of God are in a continuous building project. And this project is not going to stop until the trumpet blows and until Jesus Christ takes us away to be with him again. Brother Nick, it's something that we're going to have to work on every single day that we wake up. It's a job. I told Brother Weems, I said, I want the wall built in such a way it looks like it's not finished yet. Because there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Anybody ever thought about this before? Let me ask any of you, do you know, does the last verse in Acts 28, does it say amen? No. Do you know why it doesn't say amen? We're still writing the book of Acts. We're living, Brother Nelson, the book of Acts. Right now, that's what we're doing. We're still building the wall. We're still working on it. All right. I got to make sure it's just right. I got to make sure that I'm tied in to what the apostles and the prophets have put together already. We're building this wall. We want to make sure that it's perfect. That way that the enemy, when he comes, it's not easy for him to breach this thing. I want to make sure that the wall is solid. I want to make sure that when I come to church, we have liberty 
and that there's no breach in the wall that we've erected in our city. I want to go back, and we're going to use Nehemiah for just a moment. I told Brother, Brother Weems a lot of things tonight. <laughs> but I mentioned to him, I said, Brother Weems, I believe with all my heart that we can find everything we need to know. The entire formula for revival in the book of Nehemiah. Some of you aren't convinced, so I hope I can convince you before we finished. The majority of what I'm talking about, you're going to find in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 4. Nehemiah 1 and 4. We read it a few moments ago. And when Nehemiah heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned, and fasted, and prayed. I heard it. It hit me at the very core of my being. It made me sit down. It made me weep. It made me mourn. And then I had to fast. I had to get me out of me. <laughs> and I had to seek the face of God. We as the people of God, I believe that we are called to do the same things Nehemiah has done in this passage. I'm telling you that when we hear the cries for help from the sinners... It's up to us as the people of God to respond like Nehemiah responded. It ought to reach us to the core of our being and put us on our backside and say, Ah, oh, God, that was me not too long ago. It ought to hurt our hearts when we think of the lost souls that we could pass by every single day of our lives. My heart was crying, Brother Nelson, last night. We went to, we went, we, we, we've been so crazy busy. We finally went shopping last night to get some small gift for our fathers. And I kid you not. Every single Father's Day gift on the shelf was a beer mug, a flask, shot glasses, or something to do with alcohol. With the exception of two things. A coffee mug or one of those thermoses. My heart... I didn't even want to look anymore. <laughs> I went to my wife and said, there's nothing on that shelf for us to get for anybody in our church. 
my heart started bleeding. I was like, God, this is all that the world thinks about anymore. You know why people go to alcohol? Because it helps wipe the memories of the pain that they're in. Albeit very temporary. But yet it does at that moment. There are people that I know personally that when they call me and tell me that they're sick, I know it's not a bug. They ask me to pray for them. And I pray for them. And I say, God, somehow, oh God, help me find a way into their life to show them your love. Because all they're trying to do is fill a void that was put there that only you can fill. And I'm asking God that you would help me somehow to reach them. And I take every chance I can to be as kind and as friendly to them as possible. And at the same time, shine the light of Christ through it all. I'm sorry that we're going this direction. This is where I want to be. But I couldn't shake this from me. I sought the face of God because I knew I was preaching here. And I said, God, I want to help somebody. I want to preach encouragement. I want to preach something that's going to make them leave this place on cloud nine. And this is all he gave me. He said, you better tell them I'm looking for somebody. I'm looking for somebody that's going to reach out to souls. And that are going to get a burden like Nehemiah got. That when they wake up in the morning, it's what's on their heart, it's what's on their mind, and everybody they come in contact with, they say, hey, how are you today? I'm doing good because God has filled me and changed my life. The burden that I'm talking about ought to be so vehement that everybody we know knows that something's eating me up. It ought to change me. We've got to respond when we hear the clarion call of those lost souls and hey, we're in despair. We're hurting. We're perplexed. We don't know which way to go. It ought to wrench our spirits. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 66 and 8. He said, who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? And he said this. For as soon as Zion travailed. 
as soon as Zion travailed. Can I put it this way tonight? As soon as the church travails, she shall bring forth children. Not a child, not just one, but children. Because somebody got under a burden that made them weep and it made them cry and it made them mourn. Ezekiel came along later and he said it this way. He said, this is what God told me. He said, and I sought for a man. I sought for him. I looked. I began to comb through the men in Israel. Saying, oh, is he really, is he really in love? Oh, is he, is he willing to stand in the gap? No, he's too busy. Is he, is he willing? Is he, is he the one? No, he's not even paying attention to me. Is she the, is she the one? No, I can't, I can't get anybody's attention. Hey, hey, I'm looking for somebody. Looking for somebody. Looking for one. Just one. Just one person. Among them. That should do what? That should make up the hedge. Or, to put it in this day's terminology, we wouldn't use a hedge to protect something. We would build a wall. We would build a fence. We would build something. Ezekiel saying, listen, God told me he was looking for somebody to build a wall and to help further the kingdom that I want to give to my people. He said, and I looked for somebody to stand in the gap before me. For the land that I should not destroy it. But I hope tonight is not the case as it were for Ezekiel. Because God told Ezekiel, he said, I'm looking for him. I spent my days looking for somebody that's ready and willing to stand in the gap. If he sees a hole in the wall. And he sees that it's crumbling. He said, I'm looking for somebody. Are you willing? Are you willing to work and fill in that hole? Because that's vulnerability. That, that's that's going to allow the enemy through. That's going to allow him to destroy people in, 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 the, in the church. In the city. He said, I, I'm looking. But Ezekiel, I didn't find one person. I didn't find one person, Ezekiel. And so destruction came to that people. And I'm not saying tonight God's going to destroy this church and all that crazy mess, all right? Don't get that in your head. But what I am saying is God is in this place searching right now. And he's sending forth a call in the Spirit saying, hey, I'm looking. Is there one? 
is there at least one person who will be willing to fill in the gaps? Look, I know life is hard sometimes. I know it gets busy. I get it. But Elder Howard came through this church and he said the revival would come at an inconvenient time. Are you still willing when it's not convenient for you to help repair the wall? Are you willing? Are you willing? I'm telling you tonight. God is searching in this house right now. He's searching your hearts at this very moment. He's seeking and he's looking. And he's saying, hey, are you the one? I'm reminded of, and I, again, I'm not going, I don't feel like God's cursing anybody, but I feel like God's calling. He's bidding, hey, come. There's people waiting. For us to rebuild the wall. Or to continue building the wall. Let me say it that way. We've got to continue building this thing. It's not done. We've got to keep building. We've got to build this thing as wide and as tall. As we possibly can. Build it in such a way that it's founded upon the word of God. And I know we are. But we've got to continue working. It's a job. It's not something that we're going to have to, it, we can put on the back burner and say, oh, I'll just get to it when I can. Look, revival is waiting for us to pick up some blocks and begin to fill in the wall and to build it stronger than it's ever been before. My question tonight I got so much more I, I could say tonight. But I feel like this is where I need to stop. Is there anybody that is willing in this place to answer the call that God is sending out in this house tonight? Is there just one person that can say, God, God, I know I'm busy, but you can count on me. I'm going to be the one. I'm standing there. And I'm going to help build that wall. You know, as a pastor now, I don't have a lot of experience, about two and a half years now. But I can appreciate the bishop and the role that he plays so much better than I could three years ago. I need the people in my church. With Hilton, I couldn't do everything for my church that needs to be done. And I want to say I'm thankful. Our folks aren't perfect, okay? But a lot of them have a heart 
to do the work of God. And I'm not saying none of you do not have that drive, all right? But if it were not for some people that had a burden to build, we would have shut the doors at that church a long time ago. Because one man can't build an entire city's wall by himself. It can't be done. Not in the allotted time that we have between now and eternity. This city has to be reached before Jesus comes back. I understand we're not going to change every single person. But I believe we could change enough people to fill this building many times over. And I believe there's a group of people in this sanctuary right now, under the sound of my voice, that you're hearing that voice of God saying, hey, are you willing? Are you going to help me? Are you going to stand in the gap? Because the bishop's already working. He's been working for a while now. What about you young men? What about you young ladies? And I, I rode the young guys last, last week, and I'm, I didn't mean to just pick on you, and I apologize if it came across that way. I didn't mean to just do that. But I, I am serious tonight. Can you hear the call of the Spirit tonight? Ladies, can you hear the voice of God saying, hey, will you be willing? Are you available? Because God's looking in this sanctuary for somebody that says, God, here I am. It's like Nehemiah said, you know what? It hurts my heart. But Nehemiah said, I'm not going to sit around and do nothing about it. Yeah, I know there's lost souls that need saved. But I'm not really a soul winner. Then my question to you tonight is, what are you then? Because you realize that's why He filled you to, with the Holy Ghost. He filled you with the Holy Ghost to be witnesses. Not just to skate by and get to heaven. I know this isn't like super nice and, and all that, but I, I can't just do what I want to do. I have to, I have to follow what I feel. And I'm asking you tonight, as we stand, I have so much more that I could talk about right now. But I tell you, in my spirit, I feel the Holy Ghost bidding somebody. More than one somebody. I, I, I can tell you that right now. Are you willing and are you able to stand in the gap? When the church travails, she will be bring forth children. When the people of God decide, I don't care how early it is in the morning that I got to get up. Or how late at night I got to stay up. But God, I'm going to do what Nehemiah did.
I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to seek your face and I'm going to surrender myself. Say, God, if you can use anything, God, tonight, I'll stand in the gap. God, I'll help build the wall that you called me to build. I don't want to be a bystander, but God, I want to build what you called me to build. And if you'll allow me to say this very quickly. It's easy for us as people, as human beings, to get sidetracked with, well, you know, Brother Jaheem, you would stop doing this you would change this in your life I got all kinds of suggestions for you I don't really but we can sit by and critique Brother Andrew's life Brother Hilton's life Brother Nelson you remember where those men began working they began working right at their own house At their own house. I submit to you tonight. Yes, we need unity. But unity will come when you allow God to start working right here. Is anybody willing and available tonight? The music wants to come, that's fine. I want us to find a place to pray and talk to the Lord tonight. I want us to seek the face of God. If that's what you're, if you're, if you want to respond to the call of the Holy Ghost tonight, I, I, I bid you come. Listen to the Spirit call. I sought for one. Is there one available in this house tonight? What is it? Is are you able and are you willing to yield yourself to God and allow Him to work and allow Him to put you in the position that He needs to put you in to continue building what He needs you to build? Oh, hallelujah. Let's cry out to the Lord for a few moments here tonight. God, if you can use anything, God, use me today. God, I'll stand in the gap. God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. If you need me to teach a Bible study, God, I'll teach a Bible study. God, if you need me just to put a card somewhere, God, I'll put a card somewhere. But I want to help build this wall. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's lift our voices to the Lord tonight. Let's talk to